coaches. Today, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, today we have Coach PJ Volker, uh, the linebackers coach at, I mean, our U.S. Naval Academy, Navy, however we want to look at it. Obviously, you see their giant logo behind him if you're watching this and not listening to this. Um, coach, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Nick. No problem. No problem, Coach. I, I will gladly have anybody from our that helped coach anybody in our U.S. Armed Forces. So it, and anybody that recruits and all that stuff, I am more than welcome to have them on. So kind of before we get into it, how did you end up as – I mean, we talked a little bit off screen, and obviously I've done some research, but for people who don't know you, how did you end up as the linebackers coach at Navy? Well, the, the previous job I had, I was at Kennesaw State uh, University just outside of, of Atlanta down in Georgia, and our defensive coordinator there, uh, Brian, Brian Newberry, uh, just, just one of the best in the business, uh, he got the opportunity to, to come here to Navy after being the defensive coordinator down at, at Kennesaw State. And, and he battled um, to, to get me to, to come up here with him, uh, gave me this opportunity, uh, and, and my family and I, we jumped at it uh, to come here to Annapolis uh, to work for, for Coach Niamatololo. Uh, these young men here, I, I mean, it's a, it's a dream to come true. It's absolutely phenomenal. Now, I mean, first, the obvious question, and like I said, I've said this, and we talked off screen, and I... I say I've said this on every podcast. Anybody's ever asked me on this, you, you've had the pleasure of coaching in the Army Navy game. Um, you guys obviously got a victory this past year, which is fantastic. Um, what is it like to coach that game? Because it's it's obviously a very different game. It's sold obviously to the public. It's sold as um, it's one of the few games. I mean, obviously when you play Air Force, kind of the same thing. But Army Navy is sold as like the game where you're going to have most of the stadium probably be cadets on both sides. You're going to have um, pretty much everybody on that field could, in theory, die for their country. Like it's a whole different ballpark, and it's and really it's old school football because a lot most schools still run a variation of the triple um, and concepts related to that. What is it like to coach in that game? What is that experience like? What have you kind of taken away from that experience? It is uh, it it's the most special game. Uh, I can possibly imagine. I don't even think words could do it justice, uh, to be totally honest with you. To give you an example, the, the first game I coached in was the 2019 game. And it's it's raining. We're playing in Lincoln Financial Field. You know, we get to the game about two and a half hours before the before the game starts. We get to the field, uh, go in the locker room, you know, throw the throw the clothes on, walk out to the stadium. 
uh, go check everything out. There's probably 35,000 people there in the pouring down rain already. And tell me any other game in the country where the stadium's half full, pouring down rain, and, and there is a buzz over the crowd then. Um, then right before the game, you know, you, you walk in uh, to the locker room, and they secure that bad boy. And the president talks to you before the game. And I mean, shoot, I was probably 10 feet away from him uh, to have that. And then you come flying out that tunnel and then you got both student bodies there going nuts, both fan bases going nuts. The, uh, the emotion, the energy before the opening kickoff uh, is absolutely phenomenal. And this year playing in MetLife Stadium, you know, there's 83,000 people there. Place, that place is loud now. Uh, and it was loud the entire game. Um, it, it's just, like I said, it's hard to articulate with words, but it is extremely special. It makes you proud to be a, part, a small part of it, and it makes you extremely proud to be a, to be an American. I, I, I mean, you, you know better than I do, Coach. Like I said, that, I mean, well, well said. I, I mean, it, I don't know. Like it's just, like I said, I've always just thought it was a great game to watch every year, and I always circle it on my calendar. So. Um, and then it, just as a normal human being, if you watch those pregame vent, uh, videos they have them together, like, I don't know how you don't want to run through a wall at that point. So uh, um, if you can get there and go in person, go in person, yeah. do whatever you can do to go in person, encourage everybody to go in person. Um, it was my dad's bucket list deal. Uh, so I got him a ticket, uh, some tickets a few years past before I started working here. Uh, and, and now he's been several times. I mean, it, it is, it's a big time big time event it's first class how they do everything it'll make you extremely proud good now now kind of the main reason I wanted to have on so obviously I wanted to ask that question but now move on to linebacker play because I've watched some of your stuff I think you did for Glazier um if I remember correctly um and then so like I, you've obviously done a lot of good work there you've done a good job developing linebackers at Navy like I was watching like after you agreed to come on I was like you know I'm gonna go back and watch some Navy stuff that I hadn't watch this I mean I, I remember catching like one or two of your games early I think almost a Memphis early on and I don't mm -hmm. remember who the other obviously I watched the Army Navy game and there was another game I watched I just don't remember what it was um and so I was like uh, I'll pull up some Navy clips and then I just skipped through the, all the all Navy's offense because I just thought why well, I'm talking to you so like as much as I don't mind watching y'all run triple just like that's not why I'm watching this um and so you guys kind of I don't know three four is probably a right term for what you guys run it's an odd multiple defense probably is probably a better terminology for most teams nowadays. Um, there's some tight front. There's um, a lot of things in there. Um, but kind of from a linebacker play perspective, I mean, where do you start every year with your linebackers? What is that kind of progression? Because obviously you guys, and we talked on screen and off screen a little bit about this, recruiting the armies and Navy and Air Force are all different. Like you're trying, you're bringing in like kind of like you said off screen, like D three numbers at D one level. Like it's a like the mil. It, there's whole different recruiting aspects there. So what? So with having so many people in your room, where do you start every year with your linebackers? What is kind of your base? Okay, first couple of days of spring ball or camp. Where am I going? Sure, I I, I think that's a great question. It's exactly. Um, you know, the, the type of thing that, that I want to do with our guys is I assume when they walk in the doors, they don't know a thing. And it's my job to teach them from ground zero. So we're going to we're going to start with 
offensive information. Like we call it LB's to knees. We're, we're not just linebackers around here. We're LB's. So we call our language LB's to knees. I want the guys to be able to talk and have conversations about what the opposing team is doing in our language. So I don't have to sit down in the, um, you know, making adjustments on the sideline and have to draw every single formation up. Shoot, Coach Newberry may come to me right before a kickoff and say, hey, if they line up uh, in gun week deuce, I want to run this, this call. So I need to be able to communicate to those guys waiting on the sideline as the ball's getting kicked off. Hey, if they do that, we're doing this. So we'll start with offensive information and then we'll move into to our fundamentals. And really, I love how we do fundamentals. So we, we don't have a ton of time around here. We got to take advantage of it. And and I encourage everybody to do this. I, if you watch the Glazer Clinic, like I, like you said, we start with a core four and, and basically take those things. So whatever position group it is, you have four things that, that are extremely important to that position group to be successful. And everything we do on the field fits into those categories. So for us, number one on defense is going to be tackling. You've got to be a great tackler. And we're going to go through the fundamentals of tackling and all those things. But, you know, uh, on game day, any, any tackle is a good tackle. Just get the guy on the ground. But so it's tackling, block destruction, um, square shoulders, active feet, and then read and fit. And those are really how I group everything. That's what we work on in the offseason. We spend a ton of time on the body movements. Uh, so working it on our shuffle, working on keeping our feet square. Uh, and then obviously we're working on the hips, our transitions uh, in the off season. So just a lot of movement skills in the off season, work a lot of different drills to try to help the guys with those things. Every team's a little bit different, but I'm always going to start at ground zero and then build our way up. Now, like, and, and the funny thing is you mentioned that, that, that I kind when you talk about, you're like base four. I, I remember looking at your, your clinic and you had that big drill sheet um, that you showed in your clinic. Uh, and you have it obviously by category. I, ironically, I took a picture of that and I have it printed out in my bag that's for me to go mess with here soon because that's probably why I'll probably end up coaching linebackers this year just because of how my staff situated out. And so I've like, I have that magnified and printed and ready to go. And um, But kind of going with some of those drills, like, there's some technique stuff and some drill stuff I want to ask you is kind of, sure. um, and, and so, I mean, I'm not going to get into, I'll, I'll do this first for, in terms of keys. Like, obviously your keys will change throughout. The, I, I, I'm, I'm going to assume, cause, and you don't have to tell me because obviously you, people who watch this and blah, blah, but obviously your some of your keys might change a little bit week from week, whether it's a guard backfield, depending on what the scheme you're seeing and who you're playing, how, how, I mean, how much do your drills adjust week to week based off stuff like that? And how, I mean, how, how, how I don't want to phrase this. What has the progression been like for some of those changes? If you need to go from, hey, this week we're reading guards or this week we're reading guards the back or this week we're cross reading because they like to do a lot of say zone read and we're running tight front. How much, how much does your drill work change and kind of how easy is that, is that for your linebackers to adjust? Yeah, the, the guys here have done a phenomenal job with that. And, and I think that's pretty true with anywhere, you know, defensively, you know, all the things that we're seeing on offense now, uh, everybody's a little bit different. And there's some similarities, but from week to week, different teams like to do different things. 
Uh, so I think you're spot on in terms of that. You know, things are going to change. Uh, I like to, to make sure that the guys know what the changes are and what we're seeing on Monday uh, after we review the film. I expect all the guys to have watched the film on their own uh, on Sunday. Uh, we're a Sunday off team, so they, they watch the film on their own on Sunday. And then we'll watch a cut up on Monday of the plays that I think we need to watch. And then we'll move into the next, the next opponent. And I'll give them a base uh, run game overview at that point. And we'll talk about, hey, in our base calls, this is what we're going to read this week. Uh, and then it all starts from there. It's the same principle. We're going to start at that bottom level and then start to work our way up. Practice-wise, I start with stance and start. We'll do some type of block destruction, some type of, type of tackling, some type of takeaway generally, whether it's a, a circuit. But then our read and fit period of it, we'll get on the cans. We'll have uh, we'll have scout team come over and maybe they're a big counter team, counter tray team. So we'll need to have guards and tackles um, that are scout team guys instead of cans. Maybe they're a big split split zone team. So I'm not really worried about um, the can. The cans will just continue to stay the cans, but I need a, a guy to be a tight end and be a split, uh, a guy that comes across the formation. Uh, so just every week it changes a little bit, but we'll get on, on the field, go on the cans. And then that's where we're making sure that we're just drilling that stuff. Uh, so the guys understand that. And then right after that, we're going to go into inside run and yeah. then they're going to drill those things against live bodies. So they'll get it in the meeting room. Uh, they'll get it in a walkthrough, then they'll drill it, then they'll rep it. You know, it's the standard progression that we've all done for a long time. Uh, and then they'll get it in 11 on 11. Then we'll come back. We'll watch film on it, uh, refine it. And, and do it again the next day. Now, you mentioned trash cans there. How much, especially from a – I mean, obviously, you, I, I think colleges probably carry more fronts than high schools do, or I'll phrase it this way, maybe not necessarily fronts, but kind of adjustments, blitzes, stunts. Obviously, you carry more. That's kind of my point. And with the trash cans, how much do you work trash cans for your run fits? And then how many do you, do you guys typically carry a week and have to work to practice? Obviously, whether you're working inside run, doing walkthrough with a scout or trash cans, which I, again, I love that you mentioned trash cans. because I love, if I, if I could buy one piece of equipment, trash cans would be the first thing I buy because you can just do so much with it personally. So how much do you kind of, how many run fits do you guys carry typically a week? And then kind of how do you work those run fits? Is it just the cans and how in depth and what are you kind of looking for when you're working those fits? Sure. Uh, now, run fit wise, uh, in our base stuff, we're going to go over all their base stuff, and then there's going to be a, all their base runs. When I when I when I say stuff, um, we're going to go over all that they do out of their top formations on first and second down, and we're going to make sure that our guys understand if we call these several calls, whatever it is that week, our top first and second down calls, that they understand exactly where they're going to be. And that's going to change from week to week. I'll usually get about five minutes of that in during individual. And then we're going to get another 10 minutes of it in inside run. So during individual, we've got a, a pretty good amount of look, guys. Uh, so sometimes I'll just have – I'll have five offensive linemen out there. And, and it won't necessarily be cans. I've got the uh, – the ability to do that from time to time, which helps. So those things move uh, like they do on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. So that helps us out a little bit um, during the, during the, usually the beginning parts of the year. Uh, I like to use the cans so they're stagnant, but I'll usually go about five minutes of that and get as many reps as I can in uh, with the ones and then slide the twos in on the back end and, and start 
start back over from the top and get the twos in with that work. And then, like I said, go right from there to inside run, uh, which is about 10 minutes. But we rotate our ones and twos because we're going on the other side of the field. Uh, we're doing our, our uh, group pass. So that's basically seven on seven uh, versus their top routes. Um, and on Tuesday, obviously being first and second down, Wednesday being uh, red zone and third down. Now, for, I mean, and it's been a while since I've watched your clinic, your clinics, but how, how big are you on stances, shin angles and footwork? Like, obviously some kids, it just takes some extra steps, especially like a high school level, but I mean, how much are you particular on that? I mean, obviously they're recruiting their, they have to play at the Naval Academy. They're going to figure it out. Like I, I talk to college coaches all the time. It's like, I didn't like, especially like quarterback coaches. Like if you can't make that throw, then I'm recruiting bad. But um, that's, that's one of the old adages I hear all the time, but from a footwork and false steps and shin angles, how particular are you on that? And how do you work those things if you are? Yeah. So, so uh, awfully particular on it. Uh, I think, I think shuffling is really hard. Uh, I don't think it's a natural thing for a lot of people to do. Uh, so we spend a, a, a good amount of time working on our shuffle and, and we just saw the guys going through the bags um, a little bit ago. And, and I'm really impressed with how our freshmen have, have taken it on. I, I, it's not a natural movement. Uh, it's not something that um, a lot of guys know. I think when you can, you can teach it, you can refine it, you can get better at it. Um, I, I really studied Clark Lee at Notre Dame. I think he did, did a phenomenal job when he was there doing it. Um, teaching those guys, obviously, uh, had, had a lot of good linebackers there. We played those guys. I was impressed with them when I saw them on film. So I, I, I studied him, wanted to learn some of the, the, the lingo and sort of how he taught those things uh, and implemented it here. Um, one of my favorite drills is I put a chair between the guy's legs. So we just take a normal folding chair and we put it between their legs. So we keep that spacing and then they learn to keep the space between their legs, but also have a foot in the ground. And, mm -hmm. and the first time we did that here, Coach Nehemiah was looking at me like, what is going on? We got a, a bunch of folding chairs out here on the field. And then we started working it. And it really helps the guys understand the width that you want to keep to keep your feet underneath your armpits. Uh, so that's a, that's a good, simple, easy way, man. You just go to the, go grab a couple out of uh, uh, the storage shed or the, uh, the janitor's closet and you throw those between the guy's legs and have them shuffle. We'll just go straight down the line. I usually put a couple cone, put a cone to start, uh, cone five yards in, then uh, about 10 yards and then another five yards. So you'll go five with a real slow shuffle. And we're just looking to have a foot in the ground Knees bent, butt down, eyes forward, just looking to have a foot in the ground. Our back leg is the engine. So we're really looking to have, have our back leg be the engine. I know that's a little different way of thinking it, but that back leg's the engine, and we're looking to get that thing fully extended and firm. You'll never really get that back leg fully extended, but that's what we're trying to do is push off the back leg and then quickly get the front leg into the ground. So we're working that. So we'll go five yards uh, at a controlled pace and then 10 yards as fast as they can go, keeping that base and then finish with another five yards. And then we do the same thing coming back. So we'll do it straight down the line. Guys have a tendency to sort of, uh, if the line's here, the guys have a tendency to just sort of fall off that line as they go. You want them to keep their toes on the white line as they move across. Uh, so that, that's a simple, simple drill. 
that we really try to try to work on with the with the guys here. It keeps their base. They concentrate on that back leg being that leg that gets fully extended. It's never going to get fully extended, but the back leg's the engine. And that's the, the mindset that we talk about. Okay. That's perfect, Coach. Like, I'm just – I'm always curious about stuff like that, and I know some buddies are as well. Um, kind of moving into um, block destruction, I know you've talked a lot about this in the past, and I think you do a really good job with that, is do you have a – obviously, each kid's a little different, but do you have a preferred block destruction for, say, what's in the box and what's being used in open space? And then oh, yeah. what are those and kind of why? Sure. I, I, we teach – so number one, hand placement is, is critical for that. Um, so we teach um, a numbering system for, for block destruction. So one is right down the sternum. Um, and, and then the really we go two is on the, on the pec, three is on the breastplate, okay, underneath the armpits, four uh, is right on the shoulder, and then five is on the outside piece of the shoulder. We usually just use one, three, and five. If that makes sense, hopefully you can follow me a little bit there. So we talk about 33 strike. That's your typical two gap. So I've got a running back coming at me. I've got a guard up on top of me and I've got to be able to play both gaps. Usually for us, we're playing inside out on something along those lines. So our eyes will be inside, but we're going to 33 strike that. Okay. Force the ball to go outside, throw violent hands to the hips and then get off. So when I need to give myself a two-way go, I'm looking to 33 uh, in terms of the block destruction on something that's going to the perimeter. So I think it's important to understand, like, when am I going to use this type of block destruction? So some, obviously something right at me, we'll start there. Okay, anything that goes to the perimeter and the ball's already declared outside, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get thick on a 300-pound guy. I don't have any 300-pound guys playing linebacker for me. So I don't want to get thick on a guy that that's got, you know, 70, 80 pounds on me. Yeah. I've got to use my speed, my agility, my quickness, my smarts to be able to get over the top. So right there, we're going to look to get a one and a five, but it's not going to be a deal where I want to get full extension and then bring violent hands to the hips. We're going to use what we call a punch wipe technique there. So I'm looking to punch out on, a, on the sternum and the outside piece of the shoulder pad, punch out and then wipe off. And we work that uh, quite a bit. That's when the ball's declared outside. That happens all the time in, in football now with yeah. all the now screens that go, the bubbles, anything, the smoke screens out to the perimeter. You know, a tackle gets up on you at the second level. I don't need to get firm and, and, and really brace myself into that guy. I need to shock him quickly with a nice punch, wipe off and get over top. Uh, so th those are two of the, the big ways we do it. Obviously, we play a ton of cut block. Um, and, and, you know, go through it through the cut block piece of things as well. Uh, but those are, are two of the examples of what we do. Um, we beat a guy to a gap. So if yeah. we beat a guy to a gap, we're big, we're big on ripping there. We call that gap entry. So I've beat the blocker to the gap. He doesn't have leverage on me. I have leverage on him. I don't need to mess with him and brace him up. I need to rip through and enter the gap. Uh, so that's when we're going to go over that type of thing. So th those are three examples. I'm big on, I want the guys to understand when they need to use those tools. And, and that's what we work on. I'm not going to work on, you know, 15 different ways to destroy blocks. We're going to work on the ones that, that we need to be really, really good at and be able to execute. No, perfect coach. Like, so that's, that's, 
hell, that's a great explanation. Um, now, kind of continuing from there is, I mean, at the same time, obviously, that's block destruction. Now, what about blitzing? How, how I mean, how much do you work on blitz pass? Um, blitz, I mean, technique for that. Um, and how much does that modify based off? And I'm probably going to use bad terminology here, but based off formation and kind of the what they're seeing, that makes sense. I don't know if that's clear enough, but I mean, how much does your blitz technique alter versus one gap runs or two gap runs? Like you get what I mean by that. Just how much does those things alter? Sure. You know, if, if we're blitzing, we're blitzing for a reason. We're, we're speeding yeah. you up. We're trying to take the thinking out of it. So I don't want to, uh, in, in my years coaching linebackers, I think, you know, I like to blitz the guys early in the game. So they, they, it takes a little piece of thinking out of them. We call it speeding them up. Yeah. You, you speed them up. I don't want, I don't like a lot of things where, Hey, if this happens or this happens, you got to read out. Like it sort of defeats the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish with, with a lot of pressures. Now there might be a specific instance game plan wise where uh, we really don't need you going here when this type of thing happens and we'll coach that. Uh, uh, but, but I don't want to give them three, four five different things to look at when they're pressure. Yeah. Uh, so and I don't like to just say, you know, earlier in my career, it was, hey, you're, you're blitzing the B gap. We're a little bit more detailed than that now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we usually start with a, just the same, the same piece of it, our stance, our start. Uh, depending, let, let's just say it's a, a regular NCAA blitz and, and you're a B read C guy. So the, if I'm, I'm going to line up over the guard, my first step is going to be downhill with my inside foot. And I'm reading uh, downhill with my inside foot aiming at the middle of the B gap. And I'm reading the inside hip of the tackle. So if the tackle's down, I know that I'm a C gap player. If the tackle's out, I'm a B gap player. So we try to just keep it as easy as that. We'll drill that. Uh, so we just go over the stance, their first step, and then where their eyes are on that particular play. Yeah. Uh, that, that's generally what, what we do. So it's a lot more just mostly for footwork and key recognition is really what it comes down for you guys is we get this you go here if you get this you go here and then and you got to do it full speed you got to do it on the run oh yeah it, it's not some deal where we're tiptoeing through the tulips there we're going yeah and, and you know and that's a multiple read I, I gave you one of the the more difficult ones we do that's a, a multiple read deal like if i'm just an agap blitzer generally uh we'll go off of where the back is uh so if the back's away from me I'm going to look at the hip of the guard. If the back's to me, I'm going to look at the hip of the center. You know, and there's games where that, that's not always true. There's run schemes where that's not always true. But uh, across college football, a large percentage of the time, that's going to be a good, good initial key for them uh, just to understand where the line's going to go. Now, kind of continuing with some of that, like, key reading stuff is with the evolution – I mean, evolution is probably a really bad word. But with the changes in football – where a lot more tight fronts or variations of bear or eagle or whatever you want to call the variations of adjustments that we've kind of moved where linebackers can kind of be more, one's a little bit more free, one's a little bit more of a true one gap filler. And you're seeing a lot of like inside zone, wide zone prevalently. How much has your teaching for linebackers, especially the backside backer changed, like stack track fallback, stuff like that, where you're kind of, okay, obviously I need to, 
go with the play, but we're also worried about the inside zone read and or naked runs off of that. How much stuff like that altered how you maybe teach that backside linebacker on, especially those inside and wide zones? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're, when we all look back on the game of football in, I don't know, 20 years or more, I think I think I think Pete Carroll is going to have a lot to do uh, with the success of this game just because of of the rugby tackling element of it. I think it's uh, I'm a I'm a huge believer in that uh, teaching leverage on the football. So I think that's, you know, when we talk about uh, square shoulders, active feet um, as a backside linebacker, I want to make sure that I keep outside leverage on the football and, and the number one deal that I have in that on a wide zone play is I've got to make sure that if it's going to my left, that I keep the ball on my left shoulder. And, and I know it used to be everything, you know, get there and then get your head across the bow, all that type of stuff. But I think as we teach tackling like that, we can teach our fit like that as well. And, and that's where my eyes are. I want to make sure when I go to make contact with him, if he does cut back, which most wide zone plays do that he's cutting back into my left shoulder and I keep my leverage on the football. So I think teaching, the tackling piece of it also helps understanding the run fit piece of it as well. And hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Yes. So, so the guys know, Hey, my eyes are on the back hip. Well, shoot. I've got to continue to vacuum and gain ground towards his near hip and, and make sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be. If he does cut back, then I'm right in that great position to make that tackle. Uh, so I, I really believe that. And hopefully I, I articulated that enough. I just think we're going to look back on, uh, his 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 research, what he's done tackling wise, and, and it's going to have a profound impact impact on the yeah. game. Well, that's perfect, Coach. Now, I, I do want to go back to something you mentioned earlier. Obviously, you guys had workouts today. Um, our off seasons are awfully different. You guys, I I, I always phrase this badly, but um, you guys get to work stuff without balls, obviously. So that kind of work out your kids. So obviously, like you bring out bags and you do stuff like that. Um, we don't have spring ball here um, or athletic periods because this isn't the South, unfortunately. Um, but we do get like what, what we call seven mans where we're able to do like with seven kids at a time. And then summer we kind of get a little more unlimited access than some other states mm -hmm. do. Um, so like for us, like this is a time of year where I can pull seven kids time and work on some stuff. What would you, and kind of taking it similar to what you guys do workout wise with the bags with no ball, what would you recommend like high school coaches who have some of this access this time of year to, to work on, especially with linebacker play? Sure. Uh, number one effort. Number one, if you got a chance to work your guys out, grind them, uh, get them out there, work on effort, the attention to detail piece of it. Don't just run them ragged, uh, push them. But if it's something where, Hey, I mean, my brother's the head coach at, at, at Talawanda. Uh, there in Oxford, and and we talk about this type of thing all the time. He was a strength and conditioning coach, uh, and linebackers coach at LaSalle High School. They had a lot of success there. Was at Moeller, was at Kings. Um, shoot, I was a Division three guy, man. I, you're you're the you're the admissions counselor. You're the strength coach. You're doing uh, doing all those jobs. I, I think when I watch any level of football, I, I think the effort piece of things is what you want to see. And that's constantly got to be harped on with the guys. And then what ties into the effort is the attention to detail. 
And however that fits into your program uh, to do that, whether it's shoot running 10 yard uh, sprints in your five touch with your right foot, five come back, whether you want to run longer than that today um, and to switch between your left foot, your left hand, your right hand, arm, your right hand, just that effort, that attention to detail, finishing through the line, uh, not to it. And, and I think that's a, a major piece of things. And then just the body movement stuff that we talked about a little bit earlier. So linebacker wise, just being able to continue to train them in the shuffle, like we talked about earlier, I think transitions are big. And what I mean by transitions are just being able to break downhill, being able to break 45, being able to break 90 uh, and drilling those, you know, we, we had a, a corners coach that came in here and I really stole this from him. I uh, really like this is I put the guys in hula hoops. So we just lay the hula hoops on the ground uh, they get in there in in linebacker stance. They buzz their feet, and then uh, we'll break them. And they got to break ninety degrees. They got to break forty five degrees. They got to break straight downhill, and that keeps them from um, obviously stepping outside the framework of their body. But what I love about it is if they hit the hoop or their foot goes outside the hoop, they get instant feedback right there. So they know it's not something that you've got to drill tape and then go back and review with them. Hey, you're stepping outside right here. You see how this is, this is going. Well, right then they know if they step outside, they're going to hit that hoop and they get that instant feedback right there. Uh, I, and th those are shoot. You can go to the dollar store and buy those things for a dollar and throw a few of them down and work those types of breaks with your guys. So uh, I think the effort piece of things, the attention to detail piece of things, uh, obviously the base core movements for your guys, for me, obviously it's the shuffle, uh, it's the square run. We work a little bit of, of backpedal uh, and then the transitions. Now, with, with that hula hoop, are you saying that you're going to take that initial 45 or 90 step without going outside the hoop? Or is it you're trying to make sure that they don't hit the hoop as they go? Like, just can you clarify that a little bit for sure, me? Sure, sure. So what, what I'm trying to make sure is that their back leg doesn't lose ground and get outside the hoop. So okay. I'm not stepping back to go forward wherever oh, I'm going. I'm keeping my framework, my feet within the framework of my body. And initially when I'm breaking, I'm gaining ground forward. And that, that's, that was a huge deal for us this year. We, we started drilling that in the off season last year. Uh, and, and you could really see the difference in a lot of our, even our upperclassmen uh, with that thing. And I think that's a really simple drill that, to, to do. Uh, that's cool. I, like I said, I'm about to start doing stuff next month with some of my linebackers and that's, Hmm. I, might Grind to, Grind I, might just, I might just have to go steal them from our uh, gym classes temporarily. There you go. Like, I, mean, I mean, we got yellow ones. We got blue ones. We got red ones out there. It doesn't matter. Just throw them down on the ground. And, and the guys, the guys eat it up too. Like you'll see the guys doing stuff like that on their own. Um, I mean, they do. They just because, like I said, you're going to get instant feedback right there. They, they know immediately. Oh shoot. I stepped outside the framework of my body. I, I hit the hulu. I think that's a great way to work transitions, uh, especially with 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 some limited resources. No, that's that's very interesting. Now, now, kind of one of the last questions I have for you. We touched on a little bit earlier with your kind of how you start, but I think, and I don't think what most people realize is the navy, the navy, not just navy, but the military academy is a little different on how much time you guys get. Like, you guys are even probably more restricted than most other universities just because of, like, yes, they they have classes. Yes, they have football, but they also they have military training where 
Like they need to be ready to go. If like we go into war, they're getting shipped off. Like there's there's their classes are a little more dangerous than the, the typical students. Some of them are. So with that constrained time that you have, how do you maximize your meeting time? Because you mentioned lingo earlier. Your your linebacker beats me, and, and your lingo there. Do you give them like here's our here's our terminology page go, or how, and then how do you make your meetings efficient? Because you have condensed time that. You're very structured because they have class. They have, I mean, whatever else they need to do. Obviously, they got to handle everything else that's required of the Naval Academy. How do you handle that time constraint to make sure what needs to get done gets done? Yeah, I've got to be really organized with with our meetings. We give uh, during the season we got a forty five minute meeting, and if that meeting is all football, Coach Niemot says it all the time. I'm a huge believer in it as well. It's a bad meeting. So the first thing we do when they come in is some type of Kool-Aid. That's our thought of the day. Uh, so something that I think outside of the game of football will help them. Uh, we have a uh, we got a box in the room that you they can throw any type of questions in. Uh, so if if we decide not to do a thought of the day, we'll we'll, we'll pick a question out of the box, uh, get everybody to uh, to talk about something. I stole that from my little girl's kindergarten teacher. Watching, uh, watching them doing kindergarten Zoom. And I was amazed by her getting the, a group of, you know, four and five-year-olds to talk on Zoom to start a day. I just thought that was, was wonderful. To, so it got everybody included in what was going on just to start, uh, start the meeting off. So, so we do that from time to time. And there's some wild stuff they put in there and there's some serious stuff they put in there. But so we start the meeting off with that. Me, in terms of getting prepared for that meeting, uh, I'll have a cut up every day. Uh, I'll bring over PowerPoint. I'll bring over videos, slides, like you talked about terminology, whatever our task is that day. Um, I'm not just going in there and clicking on um, the team, the team plays from the day before. I'm pulling out the, the specific ones that we need to see. I group everything by, by call as well. So we're going to watch generally by call. Uh, we're going to watch, you know, if we run, you know, call A six times, we're going to watch those six calls all together. And if we watch call B next, then we're going to watch those five calls all together. So I want to make sure that we're not going to jump back from call A to call B to call C to call A to call C to call A. So I don't want things all over the place. I want it to be organized and streamlined so the guys can really understand what's going on. And then sometimes I'll have, you know, say I have, 10 to call A's out there. And I've made my point by number four, I'll skip those other ones and move to move to the next deal if they got it. Uh, so you've got to be really organized with a 45 minute meeting uh, to make sure that they have it. And I'll use anything I can get my hands on diagrams, uh, PowerPoints, uh, videos, anything I can get my hands on to make sure I get my point across. Now, now what those diagrams and videos, how much of that, especially for your new kids, is that introducing new drills? Like, or drills that they haven't used before. Cause obviously like your juniors and seniors, I mean, unless it's something, a brand new drill that you picked up this off season or want to try and see if it works, they know what's probably going on for the most part. And they know the mm -hmm. terminology, as you kind of said, but how much is that stuff used to emphasize, okay, this is how it's done. This is what we're going to do like to make stuff clear. Cause obviously you don't have 18 GAs, like some, some <laughs> division one university. So that set up your drills, set up your, like set up all that. So how much, how useful is that for you? And you, you mentioned some diagrams and some film there as you need it. I mean, pictures worth 
a thousand words. And like I said, I, I always start at, at zero. So, you know, let's just say it, it's day one of practice. I'm going to show them all of the drills that we're going to do that day at practice. We're, they're going to watch the stance to start piece of things. They, they're going to watch the, the, the block destruction, the 33 strike, the punch wipe, using the things that we've talked about already on this, on this call. Uh, so usually a couple clips of each, so it's not completely formed. Me just standing up there with a marker or showing a diagram uh, helps, but I think anytime you can show video, it, you know, like I said, pictures worth a thousand words. Rick Minner uh, taught me that really quickly when I started working for him at, at, uh, when he was the defensive coordinator at Indiana State. So anytime I have an opportunity to show video, I'm going to show video and make sure the guys understand what's going on. And, and, and I want my meeting room to be a place where the guys feel like they can talk, they can communicate, and they're not on pins and needles. So I want to make sure when I was at Georgia State, I did a horrible job with that. Like looking back, you know, whenever as coaches, we're always evaluating ourselves. Like I did a poor job of that at Georgia State. So when I got to Kennesaw, I wanted to make sure that when they came into the meeting, they felt like they could speak and communicate freely. I want that to get their feedback and their insight on what they're thinking about drills uh, as we watch those things. So that's really critical piece of it. I don't want to go on the field. Uh, and then we go to a particular drill and, and they've got questions again that could have already been asked in the meeting room. And then name all your drills, whatever you call a drill, name it something. So, hey, we're going to, you know, thunder drill. They know exactly what the heck that is and we're good to go. Yeah, that works, coach. Now, now kind of with that, and, and kind of going back to the meeting and the film real quick is I heard, a, I think it was this coach, this offseason, I heard a coach said, like, especially when you're like scout, scouting somebody or preparing for somebody, we don't need to watch them run, say, sprint out flood 17 times. Like yeah. it's it kind of useless. Like if they run it, they run it. Now, obviously, like if there's some key formations, you might show it two or three times. But how big of an emphasis is that for you? Like, I mean, because obviously you got to be organized and ready to go. How, how, how much do you try to separate that to make sure you don't have 17 of the same clip? Do you try to narrow it down to one or two? Or what is kind of your method for that? Yeah, so I know that during a 45-minute meeting and doing a Kool-Aid in, in the middle, I'm probably going to get somewhere between 40 and 50 clips in. So I'm not going to put more than 50 clips into my cut-up. If it gets over that, then I got to go. I got to go start 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 cleaning it up. Um, so like I said, if, if I've made my point and I feel like the guys really understand and we had 10 of those those particular calls in and they understand it by play four or play five, I'm going to skip the, the second five and not just uh, be verbat verbatim saying the same things, teaching the same thing. I'm going to get to the next point and go from there. Oh yeah. So you got to have a feel for it. You're looking out there and they're looking at you like, yeah, coach, we got it, man. Like you, you've said it five times already. Like there's no need to say it another six, seven, eight, nine times. Let's, let's go. Let's get on to the next deal. And, and usually I'm going to go, you got to be intentional about it. Like you're going into the meeting, like you just watch the practice film. You just watch the game film. Okay. What is really important to us? Like what do we need to get done and accomplish in this meeting? And, and if it's more than usually three or four things, you're going to struggle to get your point across. And, and that that's usually what it is for me is, is I'm going to say, Hey, my point of emphasis is these three things or these four things today. 
Um, and they'll have them right there. Like, I, I love this from Coach Nehemiah when I got here. I've never heard this before. I want, he's like, I want this like a, a, like they're walking into a kindergartner's class. Like, I want the handout on their desk. So they walk in, the handout's there. It's sitting there on the desk as they walk in. So you're not taking the time to pass paper out. It's already there waiting for them. So I'm a big notes guy. Uh, they get notes every day from me, uh, and the guys love it. We, uh, it's it's funny. I've asked a lot of them how. Well, I ask ask all of them how they learn uh, and what they want to do. And all of them are, are notes guys. They like the, the pen and the paper, the pencil and the paper, being able to write things down and then throw it in the and still three hole it and put it in their binder and and have those things. So we give that to them as soon as they come in every day. Now I, I I've asked every coach this this offseason, and I did not and I don't and I typically don't ask the coach before what, whether on the box or on the field, um, but I've asked every coach and in you know, you can get as details you want with this. What do you guys look for defensively from your coaches in the box? What are you asking them to look at? I mean, obviously there's some stuff that's game by game. I think that's common sense. I mean, but in general, like, what do you have your upstairs coaches looking at because? I've said this in every podcast. I thought we did a poor job offensively and defensively. So I've asked coaches on both sides that I've done this podcast this offseason of what they're looking for. And every coach is a little different, but I'm just kind of curious. What are you guys looking for? Some coaches like, I just went down distance and personnel changes or whatever. Every, like every coordinator and assistant coach is different. So what are you guys kind of looking for in the box as kind of the game goes on? Sure. Uh, I think that's a great question. I think early in my career, it was just you're, you're, you're up there, you know, given the bare basics, um, you're given the person I was in charge of personnel. Uh, there was another guy in charge of down the distance and then you're just watching. And then I had the entire formation and then the, then the play, there was only two of us up in the box. Now, obviously there's more people. I think you got to give guys specific things to do. So uh, obviously personnel, there's a guy that's going to be assigned. He's the personnel change guy. There's going to be a guy that's assigned to, to tell the coordinator uh, the down and distance. But then you've got the far side of the field receivers and routes. You know, you've got the near side of the field receivers and routes. Uh, you've got the interior um, in terms of if you've got two defensive line guys, if you have one up in the box or two front guys, uh, the guy up in the box will look at the far side uh, of the offensive line where the guy on the sideline can look at the near side of the offensive line. Uh, and then generally uh, you have a guy that looks at uh, obviously the, the quarterback backfield action as well. So you break it up like that, give guys specific things to look at, uh, and then you're able to get good information. We've all been there where, you know, the guy that's in charge of the pass play can't tell you what happened on you know, one side or who caught the ball. But then if you, if you're able to break it up at least two by, with a guy on the near side, guy on the far side, and that's what they're looking at every play, then you're able to piece those things together if they become a problem okay. uh, and be able to get those things fixed uh, on the sideline. No, perfect, Coach. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, awesome. I, think, I thank you, Coach, for your time. Uh, coaches, um, if you want to listen back to where we're talking, Army, Navy, key reads, run fits, blitz, technique, block destruction, and space in the box, the tags will be in the bio. Um, obviously, if this is on one of the pod, audio podcasts, the times might be a little bit off because of the anchor promo at the beginning. Um, but YouTube, they all should be fairly accurate. 
um, check out the sponsors and affiliates below, all that lovely jazz. Uh, Coach's Twitter will be in the bio, so make sure you give Coach a follow. Uh, at least you can do, just give him a follow. Um, and then uh, I think the last way, the best way to end this is, is, is say, go Navy beat Army. Um, All right. I love it. Way to end this. And um, that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.